Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. And whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you're in the right place. My guest this episode is the founder and president of Lead'em Up, a sports leadership and character program. He is a speaker, a coach, as well as the founder and co-host of the Hardwood Hustle podcast. He is also an ambassador for the Premier Lacrosse League. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, Adam Bradley. amazing thank you for having me yeah it's great to connect with you and have you on i guess to start us off i'd love to hear how you kind of got into this path of teaching leadership and doing what you do and what kind of led you to leading others yeah no i mean it's been a great journey you know it started back in 2015 uh my old high school actually it, it kind of stumbled on it in many ways they they asked me a really weird request tyler they said is there any way you'd be willing to just be around our team and mentor some of the guys, some of the boys, right? Yeah. My, my old high school area, the, you know, the, the dynamics in that community had changed over the years. And there were a lot of, um, you know, uh, need for mentors and, and individuals pouring into to those young men on that football program. And I agreed. I said, yeah, you know, I would love to. And long story short, they end up giving me every Tuesday. They said, this is what we'd like to do. We will cut practice short every Tuesday at five o'clock and we will give you the entire team from five to six. And during that time, you have full permission to pour into them however you would like. Right. So at this point, I'd had some success with some other businesses and kind of started to establish. So I had a little bit of some credibility and, you know, I've always enjoyed working with young people in general and, you know, they just, they, they, they wanted just, if I'd be willing to mentor and lead this team. And it was a very unique thing, had no plan, didn't know what it was supposed to look like. But as you can imagine, if you know, 60 kids are going to be handed to you every Tuesday with the goal of you impacting them and developing them and pouring into them and loving them, man, you're going to, you're going to begin to buckle down and get some things together. Okay. So I began to really spend all my time with this team. And just getting to know the kids, because if you were really going to impact them, they needed to believe you and trust you and get to know you. There had to be that rapport there relationally. I began to see different things that they were struggling with as a team, just as I spent so much time with them and talking to coaches and hearing the different dynamics that were taking place during the, the season and what happened in the previous game and how practice was the week before and all these different things. And every single week I journaled everything I did with the team. And as I was approaching each Tuesday, I'd find different things they needed to really work on and develop. And I'd sit there and just brainstorm and try to, how can I present this and address this group and teach them about this in a way that they enjoy, in a way that sticks, in a way that they will receive it? How could I do it? And, you know, thankfully just, you know, I don't know where, where ideas come from sometimes, you know, maybe people just have different knacks or bents in certain ways, but I just journaled everything I did that year with the team. And we had the best year we'd had in a long time. And locally, the other teams started hearing about it. A local newspaper wrote 
a story about this leadership work that the team was doing and social media shares. And before you know it enough, you know, other teams locally were asking. And I had a podcast with a, a, another coach in the basketball space at the time that had a big, big mm-hmm. audience called the hardwood hustle. And I would talk about it there. And as you know, you get enough inquiries on something, 30, 35, 40 inquiries. And you're like, wow, I may be on to something. Right. Maybe there's a need to take some of the leadership work and some of the exercises and drills and activities I was doing and maybe make them available to other people. Yeah. And that's what essentially put things into motion for Lead em Up. This was back in 2015. And it's been a great ride now, seven, eight years later. You said something there in the process when you started working with the kids. You said what they needed. You used the phrase what they needed. Can you talk a little bit about how maybe you uncovered some of that through your process and then maybe as a juxtaposition when we're working with student athletes, what they think they need versus what they probably need and and where you kind of bring those two worlds together? Yeah, I mean, I think we have the benefit that young people don't have and that's experience, right? And we've been through more, we, we've seen more. So we, we certainly want to understand where they're at and what they need. But there's also an element that young people, they do the best with what they know. And there's a lot of things that they just simply don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know that they need it. They don't know they need to work on certain areas. They don't know that this is a skill that can be developed. So there's a lot of things they still don't know. So for me, I think, I think it's when you're moving beyond the surface of the relationship and really getting deeper and really talking to these players and having honest conversations asking them questions that are really causing them to answer. Hey, what is one thing, for example, what is one thing maybe you'd ask them that you think talent aside could hold us back Mm. from getting where we want to go? Yeah. Because if you just say, hey, what are some areas you think we need to work on? I don't know, coach. No, 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 no. Okay, then give me one thing. Give me one area you think that this team, that we could essentially damage ourselves if we don't clean up. Mm-hmm. Right. You start asking these questions and you start getting to know them. You start talking to the coaches. Hey, what was one of the challenges? Non-talent related, non-on-field related. Give me one of the challenges you were experiencing in the last week or two. Give me your number one headache coaching this team. Right. The players that you find challenging to lead on this team, why are they challenging? And all of a sudden you start getting this insight into the nuance and the dynamics of where this team is. And all of a sudden you begin to realize like, man, these kids, they're just not disciplined enough as an individual, right? They, man, these kids just don't, um, they're not willing to be vulnerable with one another. Why are they not willing to be vulnerable? Well, because there's such a clowning culture within this team. Yeah, they're close knit, but their relationship is built on clowning and joking with each other at such a level that all of a sudden no one now is comfortable to step out and lead because they're too concerned that if I do, I'm exposing myself and opening myself up to getting clowned by the guys, yeah. by the girls, right? So it's, it's really understanding. And once again, it's it's just kind of going in. Now that I've been doing this for seven years, you gain insight into what it really takes and also yeah. what what prohibits it. So I think to answer your question, it's really about kind of asking really kind of poignant questions to help you uncover and diagnose very similar to a doctor, right? Tell me about your symptoms. Do you feel pain there or do you feel pain here, right? How does this feel when I touch here? Like 
They are literally, they know, and they're asking these questions because they're all trying to, they're building their plan mm -hmm. of how to approach it, sure. right? And how to get it healthier. And they know if this muscle's hurting here, then it's being affecting over here. And same thing over here with the team, right? Yeah, I love your clowning. I love how y'all can joke around, but let me tell you what I think it could be producing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So it's really this un uncovering with a thought process of, I'm trying to find a plan of how to approach to identify pain points on this team so we then can clean it up and become more healthy as a group. Yeah, I love that. I definitely resonate when I think I was a, a high school athlete. I, I didn't know a lot that I didn't know. Uh, so, and there's so much. So, And I think on that same kind of notion, you know, as you've traveled and worked with different teams and schools around the country, why is leadership education just so needed in kind of the, the times we're in and, and just for young people in the times that they're in. Yeah. I mean, so we, so lead them up as a leadership and character program. Okay. And, and when we say character, character is who you are, your character traits, leadership, what you do, your actions and behaviors. Mm -hmm. And, and I believe, and will always believe until someone definitively shows me otherwise, I believe character is the biggest separator in sports. Okay. Now let's put character in the right position. Most people, when they hear character, they think behavioral and they think it's mostly about like just being like good character, being respectful. Yeah, in school, stay in line. Good. They're in line. They're in line. They're in line. Right. It, and that's where everyone always goes. And one thing that we've had to kind of preach is that's not really what it's all about, because there's a lot of teams that like will approach about lead them up and they'll just hit us with. Um, and not really. We've got good kids already. OK, because they think it's just like a respect behavioral manners type thing. Understand this, and I know you do it, but just for everyone listening, you can have good character, but not the right character for success, right? You can be very respectful. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. No, ma'am. Right. Get good grades and all that, but still not demonstrate the right discipline, the right sacrifice, the right level of commitment, the right passion. You can be good and not be communicative, right? You could be, you know, um, I mean, there's so many things, right? You could be a good kid, but not have the passion needed to be successful. You're not willing to hold each other accountable. I mean, there's so many different things. So for us, we need to understand that when you look at teams that are successful, talent always plays a role. Absolutely. Right. Coaching always plays a role. But you begin to peel back the layers and you begin to realize, well, you know what? The real difference maker is that these group of athletes in this room, man, they were selfless. They were passionate. They were committed. They were disciplined. They were hardworking. They were supportive of one another. They were coachable, right? They were humble. Like those are character traits, okay? Yeah. The character traits are the difference makers, okay? Because they can take somebody who has moderate talent and get the most out of it. They also can take someone who is talented and actually reduce it if their character is not on point. Okay. So the first thing we always want to make sure everybody knows is we're talking about character performance. Yeah. We're not just talking about having good kids with good manners. Now, the good thing is when you develop the right character for success, oh, guess what? The byproduct is also that you become a good kid. Okay. Yeah. But you also need to demonstrate it. Now, getting them to understand though, that those character traits can be coached and can be developed and strengthened that's where the difference making comes. Okay. Listen, you know, the coachable kid, Hey, 
I can take a kid who's not very coachable or approachable and we can teach and develop a completely new mindset to get them to crave coachability, to crave it. Okay. You know, and, and like, that's one area that we talk a lot about just, you know, the number one thing we hear from young people as to why they don't lead greater or more frequently, it's not because they don't want to honor their coach and be a leader or step up as a leader to the coach's request. It's not that. It's not even that they lack the skill set to be a leader. It's not that either. The number one thing we continue to hear as surveys, you know, you know, conversations, all of it, is that every time they step out to lead, they're met with such resistance by those they lead, they eventually get to the point where they no longer want to, right? We say it's the discouragement process of a leader that the peers around them by their lack of willingness to receive the leadership discourages the leader in the process, which then if you break down the word discourage, D-I-S is a prefix that means to be far from. It's where you get the word distant. It's where you get the word disappeared. It was here, now it's gone. That leader at one point had some courage. They then over time, because of their teammates became discouraged and now their courage to lead is gone, okay? I was going to say, I've seen this, yeah, unfold. And I think uh, uh, on the other side, sometimes you have teammates calling them coaches, pet, do-gooder. They're trying to, they're trying to do the right things and be a leader, but they get shamed for doing, for attempting even to do sometimes something that exemplifies leadership. How how do we break that culture down sometimes? And I know you're kind of, you dive into that deeper all the time. Um, and why do we see that show up? Again, you talked about clowning, but we clown. I see teenagers clown kids for attempting to do the right thing. Even they, they both know it's the right thing. Mm-hmm. And great, great question. We, we've tried to address this head on because it is such an issue, yeah. such an issue. Just like you said, teacher's pet. Oh, you're the do-gooder man. Yo, stay in your lane. I'll stay in my lane. Mind your own business. Get up off me, man. Leave me alone. Like all these little mm-hmm. statements, right? And, and we say the average leader in high school has three lives, okay? Not many high school leaders will be, will be able to demonstrate persistence through resistance. Very, very few. I'm talking like one or 2% of the average high school collegiate athlete is so strong-willed and determined that they don't care if others resist it. They will keep going. We're talking very few people will do that. Most of them have three lives. They will step out on three different occasions during the course of a season and try to lead. And if they're met with resistance, they'll do it again. Okay, sure. That all right. But now they're one step closer to their third life. Okay. Eventually they will stop. Okay. Going back to the players doing the best with what they know, they need to understand something. We teach a concept, Tyler, called followership. Okay. It's one's performance level and following the leader. We all spend a significant amount of time talking about leadership. We all do. We never talk about followership. How do I know that? Because every time I teach it, 99% of the people I say, have you ever heard that word followership? They're like, is that even a real word? Is that even, and it's not really. It's real word in our vocabulary because we talk about it all the time. Once performance level in following the leader. Now, everyone always puts followers in the negative stigma. Oh, they're just a follower. Don't be a follower. Wrong. Wrong. If you ever hear a coach say, don't be a follower, they're, they're, they're not simply thinking it through the right lens right. because of a concept that we call rotational leadership. 
which is the ongoing relationship, ongoing, constantly changing relationship between leader and follower that changes day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. I know that's a big one. The ongoing, constantly changing relationship between leader and follower that changes day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. It essentially says this. Every single person on the team, regardless of age, experience, rank, skill level, however many stars they have from a talent standpoint, three-star, four-star, five-star, regardless of every detail, every single person on a team at times plays the role of a leader and at times plays the role of a follower. Nobody leads 24-7, nobody at all. So logic tells me if there are times you have to play both roles then you should become a high performer in both areas. Young people have never been taught the performance responsibilities from a follower standpoint. But you could be the greatest leader in the world, but if the follower's not performing in their role, when I step out to lead them, it will go nowhere. Yeah. So I think the first way to attack this is everybody needs to understand there's a performance responsibility required every single time someone tries to lead you, period. We call that, we have two habits, I'm not gonna get into both of them, but like one of them, so we teach a couple habits that players need to engage in to become a higher performing follower. Okay. We say there's three levels. Is it okay if I go into it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three levels. Lowest levels, what we call challenging to lead. Mid levels, what we call easy to lead. We all know those that are challenging to lead. They always push back. They get defensive. They don't listen. They do their own thing. Their ego's too big. You probably have had many experiences with people that are challenging to lead, right? Sure. We all have. Easy to lead. They comply. They receive it. They go along with it. They'll say, yes, sir. No, sir. They'll say, thank you. Things of that nature. Most people say, well, that seems like the highest level. We say, you know, there's a little quote we reference. Good is not good enough if better is an option. Easy to lead is a good option, but not if there's a better one. And there is. And that's what we say, the highest level. And we begin to say, this is the standard. This is where we all have to live. We begin to teach it and unpack it. This is the level what we reference as being enjoyable to lead. Now, very simple word. We use it all the time in our language, but we never stop to slow down and think about it, right? When you talk about being enjoyable to lead, there's an action-oriented element to it. To be enjoyable means you need to put joy in. Yeah. Okay? So now you're telling me that, Tyler, you're my coach. I'm the player. Or better yet, You and I are teammates. All right. Okay. You're leading me. Okay. You're stepping out to lead me. We say anytime someone delivers any form of leadership, we call it a pass. Cool. Okay. It's like a leadership pass. So what, and that could be, you're trying to coach me up, lead me up, give me accountability, encouragement, hype me up. Any of that, we call it a pass. Okay. Anytime someone ever delivers you, delivers a pass to you, you need to do what we say. Thank the passer. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, You deliver any type of leadership. My responsibility is simply thank the passer, okay? And I have to do it in such a way, and we kind of lay it out. We kind of say there's some parameters here because I've got to get to this level where I am enjoyable to lead because my goal, here's the goal of the person who's enjoyable to lead. The goal is to fill you with joy. Hence the word enjoy. It means to put joy in. Can I respond and receive the leadership pass from you, Tyler, in such a way by my willingness to receive it, 
my hunger to learn more of it, my energy and enthusiasm in the process. We say there's four ways to demonstrate to be enjoyable to lead. And we teach those pillars sure. that, bam, when you lead me, not only do I receive it, but I actually respond in such a way, Tyler, that you walk away boosted, filled with joy, and hence the word enjoyable, A-B-L-E, able, which then allows you to be more able to lead at a higher level. And what crazy part is, this is what kind of blows players' minds and kind of gets them to see things completely different. When I respond to your leadership pass, to me, when yeah. I respond well and am enjoyable to lead and in turn fill you with joy and boost you on how I respond, make you feel better about it, make you feel more empowered. What most players don't realize, I am actually leading you up. Yeah. You walk away from the moment of you leading me, feeling boosted and encouraged and filled with more joy, which then helps you lead more. So then all of a sudden we walk away a week later and we see Tyler leading more, doing more, giving more passes. And we're like, wow, look at Tyler. He's dominating the leadership game. What we fail to recognize is, you know what? Actually, Adam played a role in that. Adam thanked him so much, appreciated him so much, encouraged him so much that it actually inspired him to do more. And I also, though, have the flip side power. I also could discourage you to the point where right where i shut you down and then so we teach significantly this role of the followers performance and how it is the secret to unlocking our team's leadership because if you don't have the right follower man you're going to burn out leaders left and right and it'll be not pretty yeah i think it's important to to understand because i've had coaches kind of that concept you kind of think about it a little funny with you and it's like well what if they're they're following the right behaviors oh then i want them to then the leaders like you said the the leaders probably doing a good job it's the this reciprocal right uh-huh. and the other part is if the leader's doing a good job and got their influence and attention how are they going to shut down their mirror neurons i mean there's something like let's use yeah. the let's use the basics of mirror neurons to our advantage here right not let them work against us and, and the things you talk about just light up all those things. I love it. So, And and, and you're right on, like there is an element of like, you got to make sure you're following the right people, right? I, I think when people say, don't be a follower, what, what we're talking about in those instances, we're, and I agree with that. Followers in that negative stigma are people that just aimlessly follow, don't think for themselves, right? They're just like aimlessly following, right? There, there's like no conscious awareness in their own mind. We're not saying that also because there's a later exercise that we teach about it's called the detective where you've got to really lean in and make sure you're following the right things. Yeah. And we also teach on the fact that let's say Tyler, you lead me up and you deliver a pass to me and you try to coach me up on my game. Okay. We're both playing quarterback. We're in our quarterback, you know, one-on-one drill, you know, drills during practice. you you see something with my footwork and you think I need to tweak it. Right. You try to coach me up. Well, there is, we, we teach the players that there is an element where they've got to process that pass internally to make sure it works for them. Okay. So that's why we say, and we even go through this. What if Tyler tried to coach me up on my footwork and I don't like Tyler's coaching suggestion, like legitimately not trying to be rude. It just doesn't work for me. Like it's just, 
you know, it doesn't work for how my footwork is, you know, and like, here's what we tell the players. You thank the passer anyways. And he, the reason you are thanking them for the courage displayed, not the content shared. That's the line that we use. You're thanking them for the courage displayed, not the content shared. We tell the players, process the content of what's being delivered, maybe at a later moment, right? Does this work for me? Is this something I want to incorporate in my game? Yeah. You know, in the moment, that's not the concern. Yeah. My only concern right now is I want to make sure that I am celebrating your courage and, and let you know that I appreciate you looking out for me and caring enough about me to actually try to help me. Yeah. That's it. That's my only concern right now. And that's why. So, yeah, there is this discernment that has to go on. But we're talking two different things. Yeah. One, we want to get everyone just in the habit of knowing, hey, you can step out and lead and it's going to be received well. Yeah. And when that happens, you will naturally then give more leadership. Right on. Uh, two more questions as we wrap up here. One, um, you spent some time as a VP of sales. I've spent some time in my past, like you referenced earlier, these life experiences we acquire. Um, what was something you learned in that sales environment as far as leadership that is useful when you're working with young people today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I spent 13 years as VP of sales for an organization in Maryland and um, just left uh, last year to go full-time lead them up. So I had both of them on, you know, simultaneously operating yeah. both for about five years, but lead them up just has continued to grow that uh, needed to step away. You know, that, that's a, for me, to be honest with you, one of the, the big themes for me was this followership that actually came from my VP work, right? Because, you know, when you're the VP, yeah, you're in a position of leadership, but you're not the leader. You're not the leader, right? There's owners. There's a executive vice president. There's a senior vice president, right? So there's people above me, but I'm also responsible for people below me as well. Right. So you're kind of in this hybrid area. And for me, you know, I think one thing that I, I was able to get a lot of reps on is how do I receive leadership in such a way from those that try to lead me, right? And for me, so it's interesting. One thing about followership, and I know this whole episode, we're kind of going in followership, but cool. hey, so it's be cool. it. So be it. I'm someone who I have a leadership mindset, okay? I I am more comfortable in the leadership role, okay? You look around the house, like it, it's easy for me to step in and kind of lead, okay? Kind of orchestrate and line up Thanksgiving dinner, right? Or line up a social event. Like it's very easy for me. And so in that setting, where I wasn't the leader, but a leader, okay? And there's a very important uh, delineation between those two coaches, if you're listening, right? When I said earlier about rotational leadership, everyone plays a role of leader and follower. Doesn't mean they are the leader, but everyone plays a role as a leader. Big difference there, okay? So for me, it's hard for me to turn off my leadership mindset of wanting to take over and lead. Yeah. But in that setting, I'm not the boss. I don't own the company. I have people I report to. For me, when I realized that I could lead in this followership role and, and, and perform in that in such a high level, it allowed me to operate in that space as a leader 24-7, 365. Because obviously in moments where I had to lead my team, I'm engaging as a leader. Sure. But now, even when my bosses were leading me, I still had this ability and opportunity to act and think like a leader just from this other side. Cause I wanted to be so enjoyable to lead 
that I excited them and empowered them and boosted them and could get them to the place at the end of the year to say like, man, Hey Adam, it's, it's been, it's such a joy to lead you, to have you on the team, right? That's one thing we always challenge our players at the end of the year. We want your coaches to say, man, how was it leading Tyler this year? Oh, what a joy. <laughs> what an honor. Right. And when, if the coach can say that, I'm going to promise you, you will have gotten the most out, the most and the best out of that coach during the year. Okay. When coaches say that, what a joy, what an honor. We give more. We are more in those moments when those are the people we're leading. So I would say just this ability to lead up and down, yeah. cool. right? Because you're not always the person in charge. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you you don't have to then throw away your leadership mindset. It can still exist. Well, Adam, you've given uh, uh, listeners a, a bunch of reasons to check out this episode already. But as we wrap up in the last question, this is going to a, a segment we go back to once in a while where we review a past tweet of yours. So the tweet oh that I looked back on um, that I wanted you to dive into more that caught my attention was about reasons, too. And you said, pay attention to people's reasons too. And I wanted you to elaborate a little bit why. Why do we yeah. need to pay attention to people's reasons to whatever it may be? Yeah, it gives you glimpses into what they're really all about. It gives you glimpses into what they're really all about. You know, you think about anything, you know, people that really want it, they are going to go out of their way to find reasons to get it done or find reasons why it can get done. Right. But you look for people that that may not be really all about it. They are going to search endlessly in some cases for any reason not to. Oh, I can't make it. Oh, I've got this. Oh, I've got this. Well, I don't know. I've got this coming on. I have a sniffle coming on. Like they're going to find reasons to not do it. And I think when I tweeted that, I think we hear these reasons. Oh, I can't do it. I've got this, you know. There could be something bigger there, right? Like go a little deeper, like, wow, they, they keep finding reasons not to. I just don't think they're really all about it, okay? And and for me, just going into the new year, you know, as people are, they've got new hopes, new expectations, resolutions, and things like that. The real difference maker is going to fall into a lot of, what are the reasons to? Are they going to find reasons to keep this going? to stay disciplined on this, to keep working out regularly, to commit to that commitment? Are they going to continue to find the reasons to support that? Or are they going to continue to find reasons to not do it? Pay attention to the reasons too. They give deeper insight into, do people really want it or do they not?